Coming up on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, how Carlos Correa's shocking decision to spread the Giants for the Mets could impact the M's, plus a potential trade target we should be talking about more. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. If you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. Carlos Correa saying never mind to the Giants and heading to the Mets instead might open up an opportunity on the trade market for the Mariners. We're going to talk about that as well as a pitcher the Mariners could trade for and take a flyer on. Someone we've talked about in previous off seasons, but not really this one. Uh, but we talked about him a little bit on yesterday's episode of our Patreon show, uh, Control the Zone. Uh, so we're going to talk about him a little bit more on this show. Uh, but first, before we get into that, Colby, I think there's a, you know, a really important question to, uh, to be asked here before we get into the rest of the trade market is when the hell is the trade market going to ramp up? Because it's really quiet right now. Even the Mariners have said so. So what's going on? When do we think this thing is going to get going here? Because f- most of the big free agents are gone. Really, it's like Nathan Evaldi, Michael Conforto, a couple others. That's really it that's left now, especially now that Correa has apparently officially decided on where he's going. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he changes his mind a third time. But yeah, when is this thing going to get going here? Never. Um, I, I should have known that it's, was going to be your answer. Yeah, you probably should have. Yeah. That's on you. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know why. I always fall into the same <laughs> trap over and over again. You know, yeah, I, I don't know when the trade market's going to uh, to pop open. Most of the free agency is is done at this point. Um, you know, Jerry and, and Justin aren't the only ones waiting for, for the trade market to pop. It's going to eventually um, because there's still too many holes on too many teams and not enough free agents to go around. So, um, you know, it, it's possible this is a, a later, uh, you know, January is kind of the big trade month. Maybe even we see some big trades in uh, February at the start of spring training. So I don't know exactly when it's going to pop off, but it's due at some point. Um, an old like that, that situation is just holding up everybody. I, it doesn't, but um, we know the Mariners are, are make their, their priority to see if they, they have a shot to get them. So um, maybe a lot of other teams are doing the same. But yeah, it, it's very strange. Um, like I can't even think of a major trade that happened that didn't involve the Mariners uh, so far. So uh, it's been a very free agent heavy off season. Uh, like I said, I can't think of any major trades. Um, so it, it, it's just one of those things where I, I don't know when it's going to pop. It's going to eventually. Um, and you know, it, you, you just kind of have to be patient because I guess the alternative is you're so desperate to make a move you know, two months before you have to, that you overpay for somebody. And, and that's not, that's not what good teams do. So. Right. I was told back around the start of the off season, um, that, uh, or someone told me that they would bet money, a significant amount of money on the Mariners making a big acquisition trade acquisition in March. 
And at the time, I was like, eh, you're, you're crazy because, like, you know, it's <laughs> there's no lockout here that's delaying things, right? That made more sense for last year when there was a lockout that ate up the majority of the offseason. This year, however, because there's so much time, I just figured the Mariners would probably, by the time that we get to start of February, mid-January-ish, that they would have their heavy lifting done and we would know what this team was roughly going to look like. Uh, but now that... I mean, now just kind of seeing how the trade market has developed, I think that's actually a pretty smart bet that the Mariners could end up making a big swing in the middle of spring training, probably when the World Baseball Classic is going on. And that could very well be Brian Reynolds because I think this thing is going to take a bit of time. I think the Pirates are going to try and hold out as long as they possibly can because that's, I mean, they still have quite a bit of leverage here. You know, even though that Reynolds has requested a trade, uh, they still have him under club control for three years. He can just stay and play if they really want him to. I don't think right. that's that's going to end up being the case, but mm -hmm. I think that's something that does get dragged out towards you know closer to opening day than we think, and maybe that's when the Mariners make their big splash, and it is Reynolds. Yeah, it's possible. I I think the one thing the Mariners can't do is they can't just sit here like once the trade market does start to heat up they can't just sit around and be like well we got to wait and for Reynolds to you know officially get shopped and all that stuff once the trade market right now they're not missing out on any trades because there are none but once that gets going they can't afford to sit around and just be like well we got to wait and see on Reynolds yeah you can't you don't have that luxury you have to go out and make moves as they're presented to you so um you know we start seeing a few trades come down here in the next few weeks probably highly unlikely that we don't get one in the next day or two uh, we probably won't get one until next week. Uh, baseball tends to take the the Christmas break, uh, and it's usually like a five day weekend. Uh, but um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I just I feel like you know as long as Jerry and Justin aren't overly patient waiting for the Pirates to to start shopping Brian Reynolds, uh, once other deals start to happen, they have to jump on it. They can't miss out on. A Tyler O'Neill just because that's a guy we've talked about because they're waiting for. You know Brian Reynolds, the Pirates to decide they're going to trade Brian Reynolds because there's not a very good chance they even get Brian Reynolds. So, as long as they're not yeah. sitting back while the trade market is hot, as long as they're not sitting on their hands just waiting for one guy who's probably not going to get traded to you, uh, then they're not really missing much right now at this stage. And and yeah, you know it's it's pretty clear they made a they've they've made a, a judgment call here that they think the trade market is is the best spot that they can uh, they can go get players that they like. Um, you know, it's entirely possible they don't like anybody in free agency. Nobody left anyways. Um, so, yeah, just kind of waiting for the trade market to heat up. And, and, again, as long as they don't wait, you know, just waiting on Brian Reynolds, uh, you know, they, they should be okay. They still have 66, 67 days until pitchers and catchers and uh, 100 days until opening day. So they got plenty of time. Yeah. You just can't afford to wait uh, for one guy to officially get chopped. Yeah, and you don't want to get left at the altar here, which is essentially mm -hmm. what you're saying. And the Mariners have typically put in safeguards to avoid doing that, right? So, or avoid ha having that happen. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of what, what would make them holding out for Reynolds so weird if that ends up being the case. Uh, because then at that point, like you said, you have to be damn sure that you can land them. And now we've talked about how, you know, the, uh, you know, if you're going to have a, 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 black hole in your lineup um anywhere in your lineup 
it's preferably in a corner outfield spot to start the season because those guys are typically pretty easy to find and not super expensive to ultimately land. But right, uh, like, like you, I, you, I they, you got to do something. <laughs> you got to do something. You still need somebody who like you don't need like like if you're getting like uh you know eighty five WRC plus for the first month or so like fine whatever that's not good but like you can live yeah. with it if you if you get if Kelnick's just the guy out there and you're you're throwing Kelnick and like Sam Haggerty is your starting left field platoon and and both guys are throwing out like fifty WRC pluses like. That's devastating, and you can't have that for yeah. multiple months. So you have to you have to get somebody. It doesn't even have to be a, a pure platoon guy. Go get a fourth outfielder who's going to post an, a ninety WRC plus and give you an average left field defense. You at least have to do that uh, because what you, you just can't have a couple guys throwing up you know sub eighty WRC pluses and survive yeah. that for too long. Yeah, no, you can't. So. You know, if it just if it becomes clear that this is going to take too long on Reynolds, then you know maybe you have to pivot to Tyler O'Neill, and that's someone that I think we're going to be talking about a little later on in the show. Uh, but uh, maybe there's a couple of other opportunities to fill out that out- outfield spot as well, uh, particularly one in New York who could be on the move uh, as a salary dump potentially, or a way to get better value elsewhere on the roster. Talk about that in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts you're listening to the locked on mariners podcast thank you so much for making us your first listen so carlos correa it happened while i was sleeping i found out this morning along with uh i'm sure a lot of east coast folks including a lot of mets fans a lot of mets fans yeah yeah a lot of mets fans uh that uh yeah correa is not going to be a giant after all Whatever they uh, they marked in his physical that uh, you know led them to delay his introductory press conference and finalize the signing um, has led him to to go to New York all of a sudden. So this is one of the crazier free agent stories you'll see. And uh, now the Mets have added even more payroll, and they're even more in the luxury tax. <laughs> you know, so. I mean, Steve Cohen has been relentless and it doesn't seem like he cares about how much tax he's going to end up paying. So maybe there is no salary dump here. Maybe there is no chance for any of that. But if they were to trade someone to at least lower their salary a little bit, lower their payroll a little bit, it could be someone like Mark Canna, right, Colby? I think there are probably four guys that I look at on this on the Mets roster who they could try and trade. Um, it's not purely about you know uh, dumping salary because they could dump all four of these guys and they still paying a lot of money in the luxury tax. So, uh, but there's four guys who kind of pop out. You kind of look at around the roster and you say, yeah, who could they trade to maybe get better elsewhere? Uh, there's James McCann, uh, backup catcher. Uh, there is uh, Mark Canna, uh, starting left fielder. There is uh, Carlos Carrasco, 
the starting pitcher and uh, Eduardo Escobar, the uh, the third baseman infielder. Um, so they they actually have you know four guys who are all making about ten million plus dollars this year, uh, and they all are going to have varying degrees of trade value. But uh, yeah, the the guy who kind of pops out right now is is Mark Canna, just because you look at what the Mariners have desperately been looking for. Um, you know, right-handed hitting corner outfielder who can platoon with Kalnick, but also is good enough to, you know, get regular at bats, even when Kalnick's also in the lineup. Uh, that's Mark Canna. And, you know, Canna is one of those guys, nobody, nobody's excited when he's on their team, unless he's having dinner at a restaurant in town. Um, and he might possibly be on your team. Then it's very exciting. Rabbit stew, baby. <laughs> Rabbit stew. Um, but Canna's a good player. He, you know, he, he's not a high average guy, but he is about league average in terms of batting average. Last year was a bit of an odd year for him. His walks went down, uh, but his batting average went up and his on-base percentage went up and his slugging actually, I think went up as well. So uh, it was kind of a weird year. Uh, typically he's 240 ish hitter, but he, he walks a good amount. He gets hit by a ton of pitches, uh, which really helps the on-base percentage. Um, and you know, it's, it's about 400 slugging type of power. It's, you know, I think yeah. he has one year where he hit 25 home runs. Uh, he's pretty good in a corner. He's fine. He's definitely better than he's probably, he's probably a little better than Mitch Haniger in a corner. Um, and he can fake it in center field if you absolutely need him to. And he also has a little bit of experience playing first base. Checks a lot of the boxes. He's he's a pretty safe bet to be a 115, 120 WRC plus guy. Almost sneakily, you look at his fan graphs page. He's basically been a three to four win player every year, or at least on pace to do that since you know 2019. So uh, he's a really solid player. And he, I think he's only got one year left on his deal worth 10 million bucks. He's not going to cost a crazy amount. But again, because it's the Mets, you either going, they don't have to trade him, right? So it's not like you can just treat him like he's a salary dump. So, and he is right now, I believe, still projected to be their starting left fielder. Yeah. So it, it, it I mean, they could outfield pretty easily. Outfield is kind out. of the thing that they need right now. Like they don't have a ton of outfield depth uh, at the major it, league level. Right. They have Nemo, they have Marte. Um, yeah. Jeff McNeil could play out there if they want to keep Escobar. Um, yep. And Escobar could play second and, and blah, blah, blah. So they have a few options. And, and you know, Mark Canna is the guy that they, they can probably go. Uh, there's still some some like-minded offensive players like Mark Canna, like David Peralta, they can maybe go sign. So uh, I'm not saying Canna is definitely available, but I don't think he's, he's off the table. And I think he's a yeah. guy that the Mariners probably really like uh, just in terms of veteran leadership and, and what he brings to the to the team on the field. I think they were linked to Michael Conforto recently, so a reunion yeah. with Conforto potentially. Uh, they do yeah. have, uh, I believe, Darren Ruff is still on their roster, which he's mostly a DH, but yeah. Sure. Uh, and then uh, Khalil Lee. Um, I think that's the Daniel other Vogelback, outfielder. Daniel Vogelback, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the yeah, sound I, of that. I think Lee is the other outfielder, the only other outfielder sure. that they have on their 40-man right now. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's possible that they could still look to add some guys. Maybe David Peralta makes sense for them. Um, right. I really like Peralta for the Mariners as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Canna, just to go back to him real quick, here were his, uh, here were his numbers, uh, last year in his first year with the Mets, uh, 266, 367, 403, 128 WRC plus 2.8 F4, 13 home runs, 61 ribs, uh, three stolen bags. Uh, seventeen point nine percent K percent uh, K rate, uh, eight point nine percent walk rate, uh, and but before that, um, last three years he the lowest walk rate that he posted from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one was twelve point three, in twenty twenty one, 
He walked fifteen point two percent of the time in the shortened COVID season, and then uh, walked thirteen point five percent of the time in uh, twenty nineteen. All with the A's. Uh, twenty nineteen was his career year as well. Two seventy three, three ninety six, five seventeen, one forty six WRC plus. Dude was raking, right. and like you mentioned, he hit twenty six home runs that year. He's a good player. Uh, there's yeah. no way around it. He's a good player. He's not an all-star. He's not a superstar. Um, but he's a guy that if the Mariners added, you should be really excited about because that is an upgrade over what you had last yeah. year without a doubt. Um, and like I said, he, he fills a lot of holes because, I mean, even if Kelnick hits, great. Mark Canna can can rotate around the outfield and, and he gives you that true fourth outfielder that the Mariners really want anyways. And he also has a little bit of experience playing first base. Um, you know, so he he – checks a lot of boxes and, and he's very CTZ. Um, I think that if Ken is available, the the Mariners are going to be interested. Um, and I think they have the pieces to get it done uh, because like I, I, the Mets could just look for prospects here. They, they could start to replenish the farm um, or they could use some bullpen help and, and the Mariners have some of that to offer. Um, and mm-hmm. we're not talking about Matt Brash. It's, it's one year of Canna. So you're talking about Penn Murphy. You're talking about Matt Festa maybe. Um, maybe even just a couple of relief prospects like Travis Kuhn and, and I, I don't Perlando Barroa or whoever. Right. So, uh, I don't think he's, he's terribly expensive. So I think that makes him a pretty good, uh, pretty good fit. Um, in the Mets, I would say, I two other, the Carrasco and Escobar also make some sense. Uh, mm-hmm. McCann does not whatsoever. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, Escobar. Yeah. Like you mentioned, he's the other one that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we liked him for the Mariners last offseason, mm-hmm. actually. I think he was in our offseason plan that we did. Uh, we like <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, two, and we also like Starling Marte. Really, the, the Mets kind of had the offseason that we were uh, thinking for the Mariners. Um, 240, 295, 430 uh, was his slash mm-hmm. line this past year. 106 WRC plus, 2.3 F4, uh, 20 home runs. Uh, that's the thing that not a lot of folks um, acknowledge with Eduardo Escobar. The, he, there's some legitimate power here. He had 28 home runs in 2021. He had 35 home runs in 2019. Like, dude breaks. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't strike switch out hitter. a ton. Yeah, he's a switch hitter. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? So, you know, back when uh, Jerry DePoto was talking about what they would like to add a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago or so, Said that they wanted to add a, a guy that could potentially play in you know corner infield spots and hits righty. Well, Escobar hits righty and lefty, so mm-hmm. kind of like a like a like a pretty significant upgrade over like Abraham Toro. <laughs> yeah, you know? like he, he's like a super Toro role basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. You know, didn't play much second base last year. Only two innings. Uh. Mostly third base. Um. You know, you can put him at short in a pinch, but like you're you're probably just going to roll with Dylan Moore um, if if something happens to JP there. So you don't need him to cover uh, short. Um, but yeah, he is not great defensively. Um, but again, if you're just cycling him through to a different position, you're getting him three starts a week and maybe a DH day like that. You don't need him to be great. You don't need elite defense when a guy's playing there one day a week, two days a week. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like he's a pretty solid fit. I, I like the switch hitter thing. I think that makes him, uh, pretty interesting. And, and unlike the, uh, well, unlike, uh, 
Canna, like he doesn't really have a, a role right now. Uh, he's not a starter mm-hmm. for that Met, for the Mets infield. Obviously, they can still DH some. So I mean, it's not again. It's not like the Mets have to get rid of him. There's a lot worse things in the world than having Escobar as your backup infielder at pretty much every position. But yeah, it's it's a pretty easy way for them to to you know shave a little bit of money off of that tax number and and uh, you know recoup some prospects and or or uh, another bullpen arm. I, I think uh, somebody like Penn Murphy also makes sense for Escobar. Um, I would say Escobar's likely going to be cheaper than Marcana, but neither mm-hmm. guy is going to be like prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Like what, what did, what did Carlos Santana go for last year? Uh, White Mills and I'm blanking on the other, other name in that deal. <laughs> An interesting arm, but a reliever nonetheless. Like yeah. I, I, I liked him when, when they traded him. I can't even remember who he is now. So there you go. Uh, it's probably going to be that plus, 10%, 15%. So it, it's mm-hmm. going to be pretty reasonable. It was, oh yeah, it was Will Fleming. I like There Fleming. you go. Yeah, I forgot yeah. that it was Will Fleming. So, uh, yeah, see, yeah. I really liked Will Fleming too. And and six months later, I forgot who he was <laughs> because Carlos Santana was was pretty darn important for the Mariners down the stretch. So he was. He I think was that's I think that's probably what you're looking at. A Wyatt Mills type, uh, uh, an interesting arm, and, and maybe like another, maybe another Will Fleming type on top of that. I think that probably gets you Escobar. So let me bring up Escobar's contract here real quick just to go over Are that. you bringing up the baseball trade values? No. No, I certainly am not on that front. Nuts. Uh, $9.5 million this year for Escobar and then a $9 million club option next year. Uh, and then Gee. Mark Canna. Let's go over Mark Canna's deal real quick. Uh, Canna is owed $10.5 million or sorry, $11.1 million. That's the adjusted salary uh, in 2023. Mm-hmm. And then he has an $11.5 million club option next year. So yeah. fairly similar contracts mm-hmm. to one another as well. All right. Uh, let's talk about another trade target, potential trade target for the Mariners who Colby, you and I have talked about quite a bit in previous off seasons, but not really this off season, mostly because he's been hurt for the majority of the past two and a half seasons ish. Right. Uh, that's Jack Flaherty. We're going to be talking about Flaherty in just a moment, but real quick, a message from the NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine uh, to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. So, Ryan Division's podcast uh, last week, we talked about some of the things that he talked about in there. Um, you know, obviously, he talked about barring Reynolds, but he also said that the Mariners checked in on Tyler O'Neill. And so, we ended up talking about Tyler O'Neill during yesterday's episode of Control the Zone, our Patreon show, patreon.com forward slash control the zone. Shameless plug. Uh, and uh, going down that rabbit hole, we started talking about Jack Flaherty. The right-handed pitcher who uh, contended for the National League Cy Young Award back in 2019, but has been hurt for, again, like I said, 
the majority of the past two-ish seasons. Uh, but he finally got back on the mound towards the end of the season and uh, didn't pitch particularly well, really struggled with the walks, uh, but he was uh, penciled in to be a pretty significant part of the Cardinals postseason race. He was scheduled to start game three of the NL wildcard series. Of course, they you know, lost to the Phillies, and we know how that all went. Uh, but now he is... Roughly the number four, number five starter in the Cardinals rotation, if you just look at it, especially with Adam Winwright coming back. Um, and uh, he's only got a year left of club control. And so that, to me, makes him pretty interesting. And I feel like there might be an opportunity here if the Mariners want to go big with it, get really unhinged, get really wacky and crazy <laughs> to... Look at a Tyler O'Neill and Jack Flaherty deal. So what do you think about Flaherty, Colby? I like Flaherty. Don't don't ruin it with Tyler O'Neill. Um uh just Excuse by himself. Me. Just by the, himself, the, Tyler. The frat, the frat bro combination in left field with yeah, Jared Kellen. What I'm and... saying is let's not muddy the Jack Flaherty discussion by throwing in Tyler O'Neill here. Um yeah, Flaherty's interesting at his best, which was unfortunately three years ago. Um, he's you know legitimate. He was a he was a young up and coming ace. He finished fourth in the Cy Young voting in 2019. Like he was a legitimate. He looked like a guy who could break out. He's only 27 years old, by the way. Um, so yeah, he he was a fantastic pitcher. And then unfortunately, you know, 2020 happens. It's a shortened season. Uh, he made it through that one relatively healthy. He he made. I think he missed just two starts, but. Uh, unfortunately, 2021 and, and 2022, he was just basically unable to contribute much at all. So it's been three full seasons since he's been had a full season workload. Um, and honestly, the numbers have started to dip. And there's some serious concerns about Flaherty's shoulder. Shoulder issues are a lot more scary than than elbow. Um, you know, we see guys get the the torn labrum surgery and they come back and, and they're just never the same. I mean, it essentially ended mark Pryor's career um so uh flaherty is is you know battling through some shoulder things right now uh the numbers you know as he's pitching through it are, are okay they're not anywhere near elite like they were uh you know when he was 100 healthy uh and like ty said he's only got a year of club control left the cardinals typically don't pay pitchers uh except for adam wainwright's kind of the exception um they typically just kind of let those guys walk um now, Flaherty's not going to cost a ton for the Cardinals to re-sign, assuming he still has a good relationship with them because of the injuries. But next year, I mean, just think about what Flaherty's going to be. He's going to be a 28-year-old starting pitcher with that track record on the free agent market. He's probably looking 75, 80, 100 million dollars. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's it's something the Cardinals might not like. So, <laughs> I think there's a chance he's available. I. I, I think, you know, there are some concerns here, though. If you're if you're the Mariners, um, you know, replacing Flexen, for example, with Flaherty uh, is an upgrade on a pitch-by-pitch -pitch basis. But, you know, say what you want about Marco and Flaherty um, or Marco and, and Flexen. They both post. They just take the ball every five days, and, and you can't say the same for, for Flaherty. So uh, there are some mm -hmm. concerns here. It's not the best thing if, if you trade. If you traded for him, you probably want to keep Flexen around just as insurance, but uh, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be open to that. I think uh, the Mariners, that's the kind of upside play they should maybe take if they feel really good about 
guys like Dollard and Miller and, and Hancock being able to help them at some point, they might be willing to take a shot on somebody like Flaherty because the upside is mm. is that he's a legitimate number two starter, uh, which seems unlikely, but that is the ceiling. He's he's that's the ceiling he's hit previously. So if the shoulder checks out and they feel pretty good about it, I think it's something they should pretty seriously consider. The great debate of floor versus ceiling. Mm-hmm. security and upside you know mm-hmm. and that's really the thing here with with flarity and like you said like with flarity and marco slash flexen and so you know you, again like you're probably not getting the upside of a number two starter here now you know post injuries no. all this stuff for flarity but maybe he's a number four pitching out of your number five spot which you know right and maybe he's a low end number three pitching out of your number five spot the the thing is you're just you're trying to take a shot here to try and get more value than what you're ultimately paying for and mm-hmm. i'm not just talking about paying in, in in trade acquisition but you're also uh or in um you know the package that you end up trading to st louis for him but also paying in terms of taking opportunities away from the likes of a uh, flexen or a marco or a bryce miller or a taylor dollard etc right so yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting idea. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just saying, like, hypothetically, even if, like, and there's there's no way this would happen, but, like, even if the Mariners' doctors were like, ah, we think he's probably got 100 innings a year on that shoulder, and that's all he could he can bear, because um, that's a mark I don't think he's hit since 2019. I think 100 is, I think the high he's had since then is 74. Um even if they said like, right, they, okay, you, you get a hundred innings out of them. We feel pretty confident about that. Uh, essentially what it comes down to is, is like, is are the 100 innings you get from Flaherty plus the 60 to 70 you get from Dollar, Hancock, Miller, the guys who are already in the system. Yeah. Is that more valuable than the 170 innings you're going to get from, from Chris Flexen or Marco Gonzalez? That's basically the, the equation you have to, yeah. you have to solve. And that's kind of the, th- and I think this is also an important uh, discussion for just the trade negotiations overall as well, because I think mm-hmm. this is an opportunity where you could go to the Cardinals and say, hey, we'll give you the security of someone like Chris Flexen mm-hmm. over the uncertainty of uh, Flaherty. So one year deals for both guys. We're just swapping one year deals here and we'll, you know, we'll throw you a top 15 ish prospect. For your troubles. Yeah. Like if that if all you're requiring is flarity, but I do think you know, and we're not going to go down this rabbit hole, but uh, I do think there there could be an opportunity here for a O'Neill, a bigger O'Neill flarity type of package. I just I, I I can't figure out why the Cardinals would want to trade Tyler O'Neill, but it it does sound like they're open to it. Like Divish yeah. isn't the only one talking about uh, Tyler O'Neill possibly being traded this winter. Like I don't get it, I really don't, because yeah. even when he was bad last year, he's still pretty good. So. so. I don't quite get it, but hey, they want to do it. I'm I'm all for it. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> for selfish reasons, it would be a great platoon at the very least out there in left field between him and uh, Jerry Kelnick. We need be our awesome uh, bro. We need our Canadian frat bro back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, lastly, on Flaherty, I uh, just wanted to go over the numbers real quick uh, from this past season: eight two five Ks per nine, five five uh, walks per nine, four two five ERA, four nine seven FIP. Uh, he was worth 0.0 F4. Uh, he started eight games, pitched in nine over the uh, course of 36 innings. So, yeah. Right. I, there, there's a pretty clear cutoff line. I wrote about this on my on my sub stack, which I think is not in the description below, but maybe it is now. I don't know. But mm. uh, 
So essentially from 2017 to 2019, he made his debut in 2017, got a cup of coffee. But in those years, he made 66 starts, covered 368 innings, 320 ERA, 373 FIP, 10.6 K per nine, three walks per nine. That's a number that Jerry's going to love. Um, and he finished, like I said, he finished fourth in the Cy Young voting. Since then, since 2019, he's made just 32 starts, only covered 154 innings, 390 ERA, 436 FIP, uh, 9.7 K per nine, and 3.7 walk per nine. So not striking out as many guys, walking a few more. Yeah, it, it's a pretty clear delineation there since before and after the uh, shoulder issue. So it's a risk. It, there, there's nobody saying that it's not, but mm-hmm. is it one the Mariners might want to take? I, I think they should because I, to, to me, I feel better about 100 innings of of uh, of Flaherty and like 60 of Dollard uh, than I do about 160 of of uh, Flexen because like I, to me, even if like even if Flaherty can only give you 50, I, I think I can I think I can fix the other 110 plus innings. Uh, from guys that I have and, you know, trade deadline acquisitions to, to cover that. So I, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting conversation to have uh, at least. Um, and if they are talking to the Cardinals just in general, I'm, I'm sure Flaherty might be someone that that's come up. Um, you know, Sonny Gray is also someone that uh, apparently mm-hmm. the twins are, are listening on as well. So maybe the, the Mariners who we know had interest in uh, him last year, could circle back on that as well. It just, you know, again, you got to you got to weigh like if it's actually worth the upgrade, right? Cuz you're right. you know, cuz Flex and Marco despite having the down years that they did, still worth something. Still solid number 5 options, especially when the other four guys in your rotation are as good as as they are. Um, you know, is that worth giving up the top 12-ish prospect or so that it would take to get Sonny Gray or Jack Flaherty or whatever to add the, or to at least get the chance to add an an, an additional win, a win and a half, mm-hmm. and have that depth and have that security. Because another thing that we all need to weigh here, and we don't talk about it probably as, as much as we should, Mariners rotation had remarkable health last year, and that's likely not going to continue as much as we wanted to. Odds are it's probably not. And so... You need to have some safeguards in place here, and obviously they have uh, quite a bit of depth in the uh, the farm system. We don't know how those guys are going to pitch at the major league level, of course. But I don't know if you could if you can take a shot on someone like Flaherty, and it makes sense, and it's not going to cost you a ton. Go for it. Why not? Take yep. that shot. Don't be afraid to take that shot, at least. All right, mm-hmm. that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Uh, for Colby Patnode, I'm Tidey Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now, for your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you on Friday. Peace.